0: Hi, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. I really can't believe it, but we are getting close to the end of the book of John. Today we're covering chapters 15, 16, and 17. So this is actually a continuation of the same night that we started talking about last week. We're excited to dive into this with y'all. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, It is a rainy, gloomy day, but I'm excited. So rainy. Is it it rainy there too? Gosh. It's been a rainy week. It really has. Literally the whole week. It's, yeah, it's it's rainy here in Athens. It's rainy there in Richmond, but it's as good of a day as any to snuggle up with some coffee and talk about the book of John. So Anna, (laughs) will you remind us what we talked about last week?
1: I'd love to. So I'm going to pray, and then I'll do a summary of what we talked about last week. Okay. Jesus, thank you so much for today and for the chance just to dive into your word. Lord, I pray that you would um, guide us and lead us as we study your scripture and help us learn more about you and fall more in love with you and just understand on a deeper level the love that you have for us. We just say that we love you, and we trust you, and we give you this time. Amen. Amen. Okay. So last week we covered John 13 and 14. That is the night that Jesus is arrested, the night before he dies. Yeah. And so we talked about when Jesus is washing his disciples' feet, they're in the upper room. um, And it kind of starts this long, a long teaching, I guess, from Jesus to his disciples. And we emphasize the fact that this is Jesus is last night with his best friends, and he knows it's his last night with his best friends. And so the words that he's going to share are really important. And it goes all the way until chapter 17, which is what we're going to get through today. Um, But we talked about how Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And through that, he's showing us an example of being a servant and what it looks like to love people around us. The fact that he is choosing to wash their dirty, nasty feet is so countercultural to what a king would have done in those days. Um, and Jesus is showing us yeah. like his kingdom is is a flipped upside down kingdom. Like first is last and last is first. And Jesus is humbling himself in a crazy way. And then we also talked, we started to talk so about, cool. and we'll get into it even more today, which I'm excited about. Um, we started talking about the Holy Spirit and Jesus Promising that the Holy Spirit is going to come and how the Holy Spirit is an advocate for us. So, somebody that's going to fight for us um, and allow us to be connected to God. So, that is a little recap of last week. Yep. But, Emily, do you want to kick us off with 15, I guess?
0: Yeah. yeah. With 15. Yeah. So we're, we're basically still in this same conversation. We ended last week. This is um, chapter 14, verse 30. I'll no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the father commanded me so that the world may know that I love the father rise. Let us go from here. So he's basically saying, I, first of all, I'm dying to know where they're going. I know, <laughs> me too. To like, <laughs> we, I don't know where they went from there because they definitely weren't um, going to the garden yet where he'll be arrested. I wonder but if they were
1: like walking there and he continues teaching as they're walking.
0: Like that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, because when it gets to the end of 17, it's they're just in, they're just garden. in the garden. Yeah, so they so must be walking there. They're having a little walk and talk. Yep. And Jesus is basically explaining to them, this is what's happening. Like, I'm going to die. It's part Mm -hmm. of the plan. I already know what's happening. So like, I mean, we know the story now, but thinking about being the disciples, Jesus's followers and best friends, they have heard him sort of allude to what might happen and whatever for a long time. But now he said, my hour has come and... I'm going to die. And so they're they're really nervous. But if you think about the fact that they are about to watch him be arrested, but before he gets arrested, he says, like, this is going to happen. Someone's going to betray me, and I'm going to be arrested, and I'm going to die. It mm-hmm. would be incredibly faith-building to hear that from him because, like, we know the whole story now, but they didn't know what was unfolding. So I think it's really right. cool that he says all of this, like, to specifically make the point that he is God and he like knows everything already. Yeah. But, um, we are going to do sort of like a, a fast overview of chapter 15 because Anna has already done a talk where she talked about chapter 15. So if you want to go back to that podcast episode, we posted it, it's called remain in me. So you can scroll back and find that this is, a really cool picture that I personally like to pull out even outside of this story and apply it to my life today. And let me, let me tell you why. So I'm going to, um, read this little part, John chapter 15, verse one, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So he's saying this as they're walking to the garden, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit already. You are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I, in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I, in him, he, it is that bears much fruit for apart from me. You can do nothing. So I love that he is telling them this story, and, and saying this to them in this moment, because he's saying, I'm going to leave. I'm going to die. It's going to be really hard. You're going to feel that I'm gone because you've yeah. been with me for all these years. But if you abide in me through like what we're about to talk about, the Holy Spirit, then you'll have what you need. But thinking about it for us, I use this verse to visualize how God uses difficult times in our life to make us better and to mm. to make us more whole. I think, Anna, you and I talked about this early on in the podcast, but if any of you girls out there are good at keeping plants and taking care of plants, <laughs> I'm so impressed with you. I'm not <laughs> but, good at it. Um, we just
1: planted a garden, and literally I – last night we had some people over for pizza, and I was like, we have a bunch of herbs back there. And I thought to myself, well, these aren't going to be around for very long because I'm not good at keeping things alive, so we might as well use them tonight. <laughs>
0: right I was like might as Seriously. well just use them up yeah and and we were talking about the fact that like here at my house my husband and I bought this house um six years ago and when we first moved in there was a small bush in the front that over time kind of got overgrown and was getting too close to the foundation of the house. And so the guy that came over to do our landscaping said, you really have to cut that all the way back or Mm -hmm. else you're risking like a crack in the foundation, water getting in your house. Like, you know, even the siding of your house Mm. getting torn up. And so they cut the bush. It actually looked like one big bush, but it was like three stems. And so they took them all the way down. Like they just looked like three sticks sticking out of the ground (laughs) And it looked really bare and kind of embarrassing. And I really had a hard time believing that they would grow back. I kind of thought about just like pulling up the whole root and just planting new stuff. But it's crazy because by the first year, it had come all the way back. And then now it's my favorite plant. And it's like a hedge again. But we just have to keep it kind of pruned and maintained so that it doesn't get back to that place of taking over our foundation and our house. So I like thinking about that picture. Jesus is basically saying there are going to be times, he's using the example of his death, where like there's going to be painful things in your life that feel like parts of you are being cut away. But if you trust me and you abide in me, the father is just pruning so that you'll bear even more fruit. Yeah. And every time I see that bush now and it looks perfect and like it's so much better kept and so much healthier, I think about this. So um, I love that. And then I want to read one more little section of verses from this, and then we can move on to 16. This is chapter 15, verses 8 through 14. The reason why I want to read this is because Jesus talks a lot about Um, abiding in me and keeping Mm -hmm. my commands. And so I like this verse a lot at the end of this section, because it says what his commandment is. And so I'm going to read this starting at verse eight by this. My father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples as the father has loved me. So I have loved you abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So I love that for them again, because he's telling them I'm leaving and you're going to carry on the church. So in real time, this message is so important, but it's also so important for us as followers of Jesus. Cause he's saying, you're the church. I want you to continue to love others as I have loved you and abide in me as I've abided, (laughs) abided in the father And so it's such a cool thing to me because as I've been reading through this, I've seen the word commandment. Like If you keep my commands, if you keep my commands. And he has multiple commandments and he has been teaching them the whole time. But I love that in this statement, like knowing this, this is like one of the last things he's walking to the place where he will be taken. Yeah. And he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you so I love that he has demonstrated to them by washing their feet that this sacrificial love is what he's here to bring and then he's telling them with words just in case they don't understand (laughs) like okay so this is all about love I am all about love so I just I think that's really special he's he's God he's powerful and he could be spreading any message but he's saying hey i want to unite the world with my love because god loves us and the way that you love people is to serve people so
1: and it's cool like he the fact that that comes right after the importance of abiding in him because the reality is like if we're loving from a place of our own strength and our own ability like we're eventually that's going to dry up. Like we only have so much to give, but if we're like abiding in Christ and letting him fill us up and going to him for affirmation and for love, then like you pour out, you know? So I think that's cool to think about of like, we can let, we love others
0: best when we're abiding in Christ. Yep. 100%. So that, those are the highlights I think from 15 and that's a really great chapter. Mm-hmm. It talks next about um, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you because the message of the world is serve yourself and Jesus's message is serve and love others and they're contradicting messages. And so he talks about, hey, you might be hated. He might be persecuted like I am. So it talks about a lot of really good stuff after that. So you should go back and read it. But for now, let's move on to 16. Okay. Okay. So for 16, um, I, we're going to
1: talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit, and we touched on this last week a little bit um, with John 14, and I'm going to reference a couple verses from 14, but even just like before we get started, I wanted to kind of talk about the Holy Spirit because I think, I was listening to some sermons, it was the Bible Project. Um, oh, but yeah. They have a four episode series like specifically on the Holy Spirit and it's it's really good. Highly recommend listening to The Bible Project. But one thing that they said right off the top was that everybody has their own perception of the Holy Spirit and has like grown up. A lot of it has to do with your church background too. Like
0: yeah. there's mm-hmm. a ton
1: of different church backgrounds out there. Like if you grew up in a more traditional church, maybe you didn't even talk about the Holy Spirit. Or at all, right? Or if you grew up in like a really evangelical church, maybe you saw people like speaking in tongues in church. You know, yep. like there's a lot of perceptions that people have. So one thing that the Bible Project sh- shared, which I think is really helpful in understanding the Holy Spirit and like what what that even is. <laughs> um, yeah. It's because it's it feels more abstract. Like I feel like we can picture Jesus because of paintings and stuff, but like the Holy Spirit right. is harder to picture. Um, and what one thing that's really fascinating and honestly has helped me wrap my mind around the Holy Spirit is so the word ruach. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Ruach <laughs> um, sounds right to me. And that word, that's the word for spirit. Like that's what Jesus okay. is using here. And it's also used, it's it's used from Genesis 1. Like the the spirit of the Lord is hovering over the waters is what mm, we see mm-hmm. in Genesis 1. So like the Holy Spirit is not a new thing that Jesus is telling us about right now. Like he, he's been around, he's part of the Trinity. He's been there since the very, very beginning. But the word ruach is translated in English... It, we've taken that word, and there's two different words that now we use. So one is breath, and the other is mm-hmm. wind. So ruach really means breath and wind. And when you think about that, they were like, breath is what gives us life, but we yep. can't see it. And wind mm-hmm. and air outside is what gives like everything around us life. But you can't see it, but you can feel it. And that, for me, has been really helpful of like breath like lives in me. like without breath, I die.
0: And it's I can't, very real,
1: and it's very real. It's so real. But it's just like wind is visible, so real. but you can't yeah. see it. And I think that that is at least for me that was helpful of like thinking about the Holy Spirit is like it's in me. It's all around me, too. Like on a windy day, you know, you see the trees like moving. And you see the effects of the wind, but you don't see the wind,
0: which I think is very interesting. And I think that's also why the fruit of the Spirit matters, because when you are walking with the Holy Spirit, there is that fruit that shows itself in your life. Mm -hmm. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so I love having that tangible... It's like the Holy Spirit being with you and you abiding with him looks and feels like those things starting to manifest in your life because you're becoming more and more like God right. and you're spending time with God, you know? Right, exactly. And like,
1: I don't know, just thinking about, I love, for me, it was really helpful to be like, I can see the effects of the wind around me. I can see the effect, yeah. even like when you blow, like, you know, you can see the paper move or whatever. Yep. But you don't see the actual thing that's that making so weird. it move. Like it's a concept that I think our our brain has a hard time wrapping around because it's not we can't grab a hold of it. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that I wanted to share that because I also love that ruach, the original word, means it's not just breath and it's not just wind
0: and it's not just spirit. It's all of that. It's a very, it's a complicated word. Yeah. And one of the things you see, like in the old Testament, you would see examples of the Holy spirit resting on people so that they could accomplish the will of God. But the cool thing is Jesus is saying, I'm actually sending the Holy spirit to be with you all the time. Yeah. So that's why he says it's better that I go so that you can have the Holy spirit all the time. You know?
1: Yeah. I want to read that part. So I'm going to first read a Two verses from 14 that we read last week um, where Jesus promises us the Holy Spirit. So he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandment, which was what we talked about last week. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper or advocate to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's like the perfect description of wind, you know, like we can't see it, but we can feel it. Um, and so that's Jesus talking to his disciples saying, I'm leaving, but I'm going to ask the father to send the spirit to you. And in 16, he starts to explain to us the work of the Holy spirit and like what the Holy spirit will do and why it's better for us, for Mm, him mm -hmm. to go and for us to be able to receive the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read that. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. I'm going to skip down a few verses. So that was 16 verses 7 through 8. And now I'm going to read 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truths, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears from the Father, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So what Jesus is saying here is it's better for him to go for Jesus to die because he's going to send... The advocate, the helper, the spirit of truth. There's lots of different um, ways that the Holy Spirit is described in 16. And with Jesus, because he was fully God and also fully man, he Mm. couldn't be everywhere at once. But the spirit is not confined by humanity. Right. So he can be. And I love how he highlights the fact that the, the spirit of truth will come and he'll guide you into the truth.
0: Yeah, I love thinking about the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth, too, because Virginia talked about this in her devotional on Thursday, but a lot of our anxiety is rooted in not knowing the answer and not knowing where we're headed. And I love that the Holy Spirit is described as the spirit of truth, because even if we aren't revealed an exact answer of where we're supposed to go or what we're supposed to do, he is truth. And we have him there with us. And so basically it's like, as long as we trust him, no matter where we're headed, we know that it's good for me, at least has been like a, a big helper with my (laughs) helper. There we go with, with my anxiety, because when Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm lacking the right answer in my prayers, I can be like, you are the truth. And yeah, yeah. And if I'm seeking the truth, I want to just seek you first and just make that my prayer that day rather than obsessing over finding one answer instead, like seeking God, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. One thing that they said on the Bible project that was helpful to understand it a little bit deeper as well is like, so there's a a loving relationship between Jesus and God. Like we see Mm -hmm. that all throughout Mm -hmm. the book of John. We see the love that the father has for Jesus and the love that Jesus has for the father. And the Holy spirit allows us to enter into that. Like we needed Jesus to die on the cross so that we could enter into it. But that Holy spirit is what allows us to step into that presence, that Mm -hmm. loving of the loving God on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. It's like access.
1: Yeah. Like thinking about when we are feeling anxious, when we are feeling stressed or worried, we're not alone in that. And the Holy spirit is with yeah. us. Um, to finish 16, I do want to highlight one of honestly, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, this was my password for things for a long time, John 16, 33. <laughs> and I think that this is, Part of the reason I want to highlight, it, especially after talking about the Holy Spirit, is just what Jesus tells us in these verses, yep. but the fact that we're not alone. So he says in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. One, when we look at that verse, Jesus is saying in this world, you will have trouble like it's not a matter mm-hmm. of if it's a matter of when um and it's because we're in the world yeah we're in the world and it's sinful we're and in fallen a world. and it's not it's not how it was supposed to be but I think remembering that like we shouldn't walk through life fearful by any stretch of the imagination but we should also understand and know like things are going to happen that completely shake our lives up and jesus is saying like he's honestly the pastor i was listening to this morning said uh something about how like this is probably like everybody's least favorite promise from god (laughs) you know like Mm. this is a promise in a way of like you're gonna you're gonna suffer in this world but he says but take heart for i
0: have overcome the world And when you think about him saying this to his disciples, knowing that particularly that group of men are going to go on to suffer in a very tangible, real way that most of us actually won't. Most of them died martyrs deaths, like spreading the gospel, which is incredible. And they died for what they believed in because they believed in Jesus that much. But he was also like telling them, you can go through those trials and even death knowing that like, there's so much more than just this life, you know? So I think that it's also, is an example of living for the eternal rather than living for the right now. So whether it's like a terrible thing that you're going through or whether it's just the perspective of eternity versus the right now, I think he's trying to unlock that perspective in us so that we can say at the end of the day, God loves me and he, he is in control over the world. Like he, he is not controlled by these things that bring pain here in this world. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. He's saying like, yes, you're going to suffer, but I'm not leaving you there. I'm not leaving you in the suffering. Take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Yeah. And you're right. It's such a perspective shift. It's like, let's get our eyes off of ourselves and off of our own suffering and look to Jesus and remember that we're not alone. And it's cool at the beginning how he says, I have said these things to you. So like he's he's referencing everything he's just been talking about, which right. is the Holy Spirit and abiding in him and serving each other and loving each other. Like he's he has continually for the last few chapters reminded his disciples, look to me, remain in me. Mm -hmm. You're going to have the Holy Spirit with you, love the people around you, like look outwardly, stop looking inwardly. And uh, like, that's what he's doing here too, is like, even in your suffering, remember that you're not alone and that I'm with you and that I've I've overcome the world. Like, it's cool too, that he can say that even before he... Even before he
0: dies. Yes. I mean, it's so hard to remember that while you're reading the story, knowing the end, because yeah. it's like he hasn't even gone to the cross yet. And he's saying, take it's heart, i overcome the world. Yeah. He's I mean, proclaiming victory even before it's happened. Yeah. I did some little bullet points of basically what he was telling them in this conversation. And I got four out of it. He instructed them to love. He warned them about persecution. He comforts Mm -hmm. them with the Holy spirit and he gave them hope with the promise Mm -hmm. that he's returning. So I think it's cool because before he even left, he was like, I'm going to go, but I'm coming back. And we talked about this last week. I'm preparing a place for you, a home, like not this, not a massive kingdom where you will have glory for yourselves. He's saying like, I'm going to prepare a place for you where you are at home and you can be yourself. Like we talked about last week, we're all human. And we all have sort of these same desires. And he knows that like, he knows that all of us desire like greatness, accomplishments for our life to mean something and matter, but that deep down, because he made us that our ultimate desire is to be loved for who we are and to feel at home and safe. And so he's like, To love is to serve and humility is where you'll actually find true happiness and you have a home with me. So he's constantly speaking the like soothing truth that we need to hear, even when we're like chasing after the things that this world says will make us happy, that he knows won't. He still has so much patience. And we were talking about this, I think last week or the week before, but in, um, this same conversation, but from, I think Luke, the gospel of Luke, Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. it was talking about how the disciples were arguing about who was going to be greatest in the kingdom. And so that just made me think about the fact that like, even the disciples who had spent so much time with Jesus and hearing his teaching and knowing what he said matters and all that, they still would get caught up in these like very human things of like glory for themselves. But I think the encouragement here is just to remember that Jesus is patient with us, that he loves us. And if you watch how he responds to his disciples, then it gives, at least it gives me the courage to keep coming back to him and just saying, oops, <laughs> got off track again. <laughs> yeah. Know, like, I, sorry, I made this about me, but I I love you and I want to serve and I want to be what you're about and I want to keep your commandments. And, you know, I just think that it's, it's intended to be this lifelong journey with him.
1: I completely agree. I love that. I like those bullet points that you have too. That's really helpful.
0: I like doing that with some of these, long conversations from Jesus because it's easy to get lost in what he's saying. So if, I don't know, this may help y'all. If you can like grab a piece of paper and just like kind of summarize what you think he's saying right there, then it might help you grab a concept on it. That actually leads well into 17 because the whole verse of 17 is one long prayer. Jesus has finished saying what he's going to say to... His disciples, So it's like this prayer is between what he had to say to them and what he is about to do to fulfill God's plan. And um, I don't know. You guys have probably heard of the Lord's Prayer before. I don't know if you know where it is, but it's Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And so the disciples are saying to, to Jesus, like, how should we pray then? And I'm going to read that to y'all because... I want to sort of compare it with the way that Jesus prays to God. Pray like this then. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, which means you just provide for us today. And forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Basically, if you break that down, Jesus is telling them a format for a prayer. So addressing God and telling him, talking about him, you're holy. And ultimately, I want your kingdom to come and your will be done over mine. And then we can ask, give us today our provision and forgive us Mm -hmm. what we've done. And then also like committing to forgive others and then asking that he would like keep us from temptation, which I actually think is a prayer that I don't know about y'all, but I at least think about in my own prayer life, I don't pray enough about asking for forgiveness about specific things or keeping me like away from temptation. So I think... I agree. It's something that it's so funny because that is the Lord's prayer. And like we all have, if we have memorized a prayer, we've probably memorized that prayer. But those are two yes. things that I'm trying to like get back into my prayer life since we've been studying John. But yeah, I think it's it's a lot about forgiveness. It's a lot about um, our posture towards God when we talk to him. But... On the other hand, this is Jesus talking to God right before he's about to go do his will. So this is actually the longest prayer, I think, I, from what I understand, this is the longest prayer in the Bible that we have, Jesus talking to God. So he doesn't have to ask for forgiveness because he is perfect, but he does talk so much about God's glory. And this is chapter 17, verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So that's like one through three right there. I, I took five bullet points from this little section that I'll read off, but he literally says, and this is eternal life that they know you. And in me, basically in Jesus. So it's like, if eternal life is knowing God that happens here and later that like, as soon as we get to know him and as soon as we start abiding with him, we're living that eternal life. And I think that ties directly in with the, the like eternal perspective that we were talking about. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I think that's really cool. Like if you're wondering what does eternal life look like? Like when we think back to Jesus interacting with the woman at the well, And when we think about like all his promises of eternal life, ultimately he's saying right here, knowing God and knowing me is eternal life. So Mm -hmm. I love that because it's like an answer to a question. Right. Okay. So verse 15, he says to God, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So I like that. Not that he would like completely take us out of the world, but that we would be protected. So I like that protected. Yeah. Um, verse 17 says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So I wrote down verse 17. Your word is truth. Um, verse 20. This is what I really like. This is Jesus praying for us specifically. Verse 20. I do not ask for these only being his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. So I love that for all who believe. So every single Christian that you know, that they may be one. So I think that's really important. So, so far we have protected your word is truth and that we would be one. And then verse 23, he reiterates that by saying perfectly one. So I think that's, he's like, y'all for real, be unified. And then right. verse 25, this is the last thing that I will read. Oh, righteous father. This is how he closes his prayer. O righteous father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me, meaning the disciples. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So again, it's him just praying over all of us and over the disciples that his love would be in us. He's covering us in prayer that we would be able to love the way that he does. So I think it's really beautiful. And, and, Chapter 17 is really beautiful. And if you are interested in in looking at how Jesus prayed, I, I heard a sermon that said they really should have called this chapter the Lord's Prayer because this is the Lord's Prayer. The other one is more like the disciples asking right. how to pray. So that should be the disciples' prayer and this should be mm, that's the so Lord's true. Prayer. But yeah, it's really beautiful. But it got me thinking about the way that we pray and what we pray for. And so I guess this is more of just like a personal reflection question that I think it'd be good for us to end on today. Um, What do you pray for? Are you praying Mm. that God will do things for you? because if we look at how Jesus prays and we want to model
1: prayer life yeah our prayer yeah. life
0: after him um Jesus prays to conform his will to God's and we actually see him doing that a lot where it's like he yeah. actually says in the next chapter we'll see when we talk about it next week but he says if you will take this from me this cup and this burden that I need to do like take it but at the end of the day your will be done And so I like that challenge of... Right, he does, yeah. I mean, I'm so guilty of this, like, mostly praying for things. But I also just think about the fact that my prayers have always been um, centered around, yeah, conforming God's plan or his will to what I want or what I think I need, like, asking for something, And I don't at all think that he's like, oh, I, you know, like shame on you and don't talk to me if you don't talk to me about the right things. Like, I don't think that God sees us that way. But when we look at how Jesus prayed, his relationship with God was so loving and trusting and he was constantly praying that his own will would be conformed to the will of God. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that is a really important focus that we can place on our prayer life. Yeah, I agree yeah, like, God, I know that you are love, you are truth, and that you know me better than anyone. And you know, the outcome of what will bring you glory and of like, of what needs to be. So would you conform my heart and my desires to be the same as yours?
1: And trusting He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so the the plan that he has for us is better. Like, yep. And so, yeah, even in our prayers, like sometimes I think we pray for things that we really want, but it's not what's best for us. Yeah. And so having that, like, honestly, like what we saw with Jesus is he's praying, like, I I don't really want to do this, but your will be done. Like, are we able to do that? That's really hard. (laughs)
0: Like, obviously when things are going terribly wrong, It's very hard and it's definitely still a good like challenge and a good thing to do to pray that our will would be conformed to his will. But even on really good days, it's an amazing posture to take from the very beginning of the day because ultimately what Jesus is telling the disciples and what he's taught everybody is that a relationship with God is transforming you from the inside out. So I just right. think it's, it's cool that Jesus models prayer in a way that would change your insides, like from the inside yeah. out saying, Hey God, I want to know you. I want to be like you. Would you conform my desires to be what yours are
1: it's a beautiful prayer to pray and it's also
0: way harder (laughs) to do
1: that you know like to actually believe it and so give yourself grace as you're praying that but it is a really beautiful and important prayer to grow our own faith too and trusting that his will is better
0: than ours yep day by day so anyway next week we're going to get into Jesus' arrest and his death. So we're actually like so close to the end. We only we're have a couple so more close. chapters left. Come on, <laughs> yeah. guys. We're almost there. I'm really proud of y'all for going through this book with us because I think it's so easy to grow up in the church and to feel like you've heard enough of the stories to know the gist, but yep. it's really powerful to let Jesus show us who he is through scripture. Because like Anna has said, scripture is living and active. And even if you've studied John once, studying it again is always good. And it's always different. You're showing up to get to know God better. And I think he's going to bless that in each one of your lives. And I'm proud of you. Me too. I completely agree. So we'll be having our devotionals for the next two weeks, but actually we're taking this Sunday off. It's our little summer break for the two of us. So we won't be back this Sunday, but we will be back for Tuesday and Thursday devotionals. And you can catch us on Sunday the 9th for our next episode on John. We love you guys. Thanks for following along. Bye.
1: See ya.